0: nope not not in the least and you know the the acc's been there and 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 had that happen and and last year was was so crazy it was so difficult to uh, to evaluate teams the lack of non-conference games and you know it's 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 a miracle they got through it
1: Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow. Uh, sorry, I missed y'all uh, last week. My voice is was not 100, percent and uh, it's still not, as you can hear. But you know, maybe once allergy season settles down here, <laughs> uh, my voice will too. Um, happy to be joined this week, though, by one of my favorite guests to have on, one of the uh, best ACC minds, as it were. Somebody who knows the league better than well frankly, almost anyone, Um, uh, David Teal from the Richmond Times Dispatch. But I mean, really just like ACC uh, media. I don't know what to call you. I don't know what people, Maven? I don't know. (laughs)
0: Oh, you can just call me a scribe, Lauren.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, you're more than just a mere scribe, though, to be fair. Um, (laughs) uh, I did... I, I, so I, I wanted to have you on, though. I mean, I could have you on any given week to talk all things ACC, of course, but I wanted to sort of have you on because I, I, I was intrigued by um, a piece you wrote f- about the ACC's uh, financial situation. Um, I guess this is the, is it is it the first or second full year? It's the first full year of ACC Network money? Yes. Okay. And I guess how did it? sort of pan out for the league in terms of uh, money distribution versus maybe how they thought it would?
0: Well, I, th- I think in terms of projections, you know, the ACC is not going to give us its internal projections and nor is, is, is ESPN, the conference's partner in, in the network project. But I, I think they were encouraged by their projections And I think what the 2019-20 federal tax filing revealed is that the league exceeded those projections. Now, I've been following ACC tax returns for more than a decade. And every year, its television revenue goes up. But this past year, it went up considerably fifteen point three percent to be exact overall revenue was up nine point one percent but tv was up nearly fifteen and a half percent to three hundred and thirty two point eight million dollars what we can't figure out really is how much of that uptick is directly directly attributable to the network
1: oh interesting okay um yeah, I mean, you knew that with a TV contract, the money was going to go up anyway. and But w- I think we all also knew that, at least right now, it was going to lag behind, um, certainly, I guess, the SEC and the Big Ten. And, and I guess that's where the ACC is at still.
0: Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at the average distribution to each member school. And the ACC right now, and this is is as high as it's ever been for the league. Is it thirty two point three million dollars for its uh, for its average dis- distribution? It, it varies. I think Clemson topped out at thirty seven, and that's to be expected because the Tigers are in the college football playoff every year. <laughs> but you know, the Big Ten's average distribution was. 54.3 million and the SEC's was at 45 and a half. Oh. And those two leagues are about to really strike it rich with new TV deals whereas the ACC's goes out until 35 36. So, you know, the b- b- the ACC's got some catching up to do.
1: How do they do that then? <laughs>
0: It's a great question. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think it, 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 it's it been interesting to, I've had some interaction with some ACC presidents, not, not, not a lot recently, but this was a very pointed topic in their interviews with commissioner candidates. And Tim Sands, the, the, the president of Virginia Tech, he was on a Zoom recently with Whit Babcock and Justin Fuente as Virginia Tech rolled out a big fundraising drive, $400 million for athletics. And I asked Sands, how much can the conference help here? And how much of this was a focus of your commissioner search? And he was very forthright. He said it was absolutely front and center as we interviewed candidates. And Jim Phillips comes from the Big Ten. You know, he's sitting there as the AD at Northwestern. He's used to $50 million plus every year yeah. in, in, in his bank account. So he knows how valuable that can be. And all he had to do was look out his office window at Northwestern and see the incredible improvement in facilities there and know that in large measure, football success and the Big Ten Network. Help drive the fundraising that, that made those facilities possible. And that's why I think you've seen him be very front and center about saying, football eats first. That's our priority. We've got to drive more. Yeah. Running.
1: And I mean, that's, that is, that's just what it is. I mean, that is what today's college athletic landscape is, is that football has to, eat first but yeah i mean I, you just look at it and you you think about the tv contract and espn's probably not going to be super eager to renegotiate anytime soon either you would think but no, no you're absolutely <laughs> right i mean yeah i, I it, are there i mean are there alternative ways to like make it more lucrative do they uh, can they like, I don't even know. I don't know. I, don't. I, you know, this is why I wasn't uh, in the running for commissioner, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know sort of the alternate uh, avenues that you can take to kind of drum up more revenue, restructure a deal or, or, or find creative ways to maybe think outside the box, I guess, to, to find ways to monetize things.
0: Well, the, there are look-ins during the the span of the contract. What, okay. I, what, what I think is also going to help Lauren is that everyone I talk to Jim Phillips, ADs around the league, other folks, everyone is anticipating that ESPN slash Disney will reach an agreement with Comcast Xfinity before the 2021 football season to make the ACC network, part of the Comcast Xfinity cable package, and people think, and it's it's natural that that will certainly drive some revenue.
1: Oh yeah, that would be great, and that would that's really the last big domino to fall, right? I mean, it's it's everywhere else, I think.
0: Yes, yeah, that, that by far, and th- this was not unexpected. I mean, th- this is all. It all comes down to to timing of of contracts. And when the the ACC and ESPN launched the network back in August 2019, they knew that Comcast was not going to be coming on board right away because its distribution deal with Disney didn't expire until 2021. And Comcast is notorious for oh, yeah. not wanting to renegotiate deals. The Big Ten went through this with the Big Ten network and Comcast. So again, Jim Phillips knows he's he's lived these things. So once that deal expires and and, and they re-up before the the fall of 21, which obviously is is not that far away, I think that will help. Then I also think, and they haven't had time yet. Lauren, they meaning the ACC athletic directors and such, they've got so much on their plates now. They're trying to still navigate pandemic economics. They've got the transfer portal and NIL breathing down their necks. But at some point in the not-too-distant future, they need to address the football scheduling model. They need to drive more attractive matchups for television Schools need to play one another more often. And they also hope that that will enhance revenue. Well,
1: that's what I was going to ask about too, because, you know, it's interesting, obviously ESPN and Disney, it's a business and they, you know, they don't want to pay more for something than they feel like they should have to. But at the same time, I'm sure they understand that whatever their payout is to the ACC impacts the ability of the league to be successful too. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I'm guessing there's a bit of a, I, I don't know if partnerships, the right word, but maybe, uh, you know, it, it, there's mutual interest there in, in sort of getting everyone involved more money. Um, you know, so it's not like ESPN's going to play hardball necessarily, but they're going to want, I'm guessing, the league to do things a certain way. So we're, I, I'm guessing they're going to be driving some of those. Like you said, they're going to drive some of those scheduling discussions, too.
0: Yeah, I think ESPN is going to have a seat at that table. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they will, if nothing else, they will make their preferences known.
1: It's a weird position for me too. like, I, I mean, as a journalist, not like I understand the changing landscape of journalism and everything else, but it's just a weird thing to me to think about the fact that basically, at least when it comes to ESPN and the SEC and ACC, that they essentially have like a financial stake Yeah. in two leagues that is bigger than the other
0: three. Mm-hmm. No, and- it's, 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 <laughs> it's very strange. I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, look, the SEC was what it was from a football standpoint before you know before they got in bed with ESPN and 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 but it does it 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 lends I don't want to say it lends credence to conspiracy theories but it certainly doesn't help if you see like analysts on ESPN hyping the SEC over all other leagues and then Mm -hmm. you know that that's the only at the time before they joined up with the ACC that that's the only league they have a financial relationship with and a stake in it's just I don't know. It's weird. Well, uh, Lauren, and, and this may resonate <laughs> with,
0: with with you and and some of your your <laughs> listeners down that way because of the canes. But don't you know that now that ESPN has signed on with the oh, NHL, yeah. you, you think they're going to be driving a little hockey on Sports Center and in other platforms? Oh, true, know. true.
1: And they've ignored it. They've ignored it for so long. Why? Um, right and yet no you're right and then you know I mean to be fair like I work for a company here we don't have a stake in the canes or anything but like certainly we do better when the canes do better mm-hmm. you know so and it's this by it's so funny because every but every fan base around here locally the three triangle schools they assume we want them to lose or we hate them or whatever it's like no no no. it's really the exact opposite we mm-hmm. we, we want you all to be very successful it's not like we root necessarily but we prefer them to win because that's better for us.
0: <laughs> sure it is. Oh, it, and it, it's the same you know, on 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 my end too. You, you don't think there's more traffic at richmond.com right. when UVA and Virginia Tech and VCU and Richmond are winning as as opposed to losing? Come on.
1: Although I will say um and this probably won't surprise many listeners but uh uh Duke losing posts in
0: basketball uh, do do very well <laughs> folks love to hate read don't they
1: <laughs> they really do and by the way for as much complaining as they did about zion williamson they like joe obvious and i at one point literally did a panic room that i think was just titled you will click on this because zion is in the title and they did <laughs> they did so i'm like y'all y'all keep complaining that you that we cover him too much but you should tell other people not to click on stuff that has his name in it because you keep reading it <laughs> Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, it is a chicken-egg situation. Um, and obviously, Zion was compelling to cover anyway. So, you
0: know, it's... it's and and, and <laughs> we, we always end up going here when ACC revenue is discussed and, and how might the league generate more of it. And we all know what the real elixir would be. And it all goes back to South Bend.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, I you hear rumblings about that every now and then. You see people discussing like I know Jim Phillips is it's a priority for him. He'd like that to happen. But it just doesn't. I, I haven't read anything that makes it seem any more realistic.
0: Now, I, I mean, <laughs> my take is has always been, Lauren, that. The one thing, and perhaps the only thing, that would drive Notre Dame toward foregoing football independence and and joining the league all in is college football playoff access. Yes. Right now, Notre Dame has an equal chance. I mean, there are no automatic bids. It's four spots, everyone has essentially among the power five an equal chance. Now, I think we're all of the opinion that eventually that four-team format is going to change in some way. Might be at the end of the 12-year contract, might be sooner. That seems very much a, a fluid deal. But if they go to eight and there are five automatics for the power five and another for the group of five. Then all of a sudden Notre Dame yeah, is that's vying for Yeah. The, that window for Notre Dame narrows. And then the calculation for the Irish has to be, do we have a better chance of getting to the playoff through winning the ACC or through getting one of two available at largest and then i think that becomes a very interesting discussion
1: yeah and i i would tend to think actually that they may even wait until they're actually left out Mm -hmm. you know because i and i do think that would happen by the way um i think that under a format like that they would much easily much more easily be left out and part of the reason for that and i don't think this is entirely fair but i do feel like there's been a narrative shift with notre dame where it's like oh, well, every time they get in the playoff, they don't perform well. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think that's fair. I thought they actually performed far better than I expected against um, Alabama. Uh, But, you know, that is sort of a narrative with them that when they get in the playoff, they disappoint. And so if that continues to happen and there's any sort of doubt about their schedule, part of which they can't fully control, you can't control how good your your every year schedule is, year in and year out, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, it's going to happen. And I, you know, I do wonder how much they miss some of their traditional opponents too. I don't know. I I saw some stuff with Notre Dame fans where maybe some of the teams they play year after year, I think they, they probably would not all of them, but some of them I think they feel like they could live without. Um it's more the T V revenue I think that uh is, is enticing to them. I think USC might be an exception for them. They they love playing them every year and I get it, that's a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh but like Navy, I think they could live without. <laughs>
0: Yep, and, and and they like playing Stanford as well because they, they they do them in alternate years. So Notre Dame plays a game in California every season. One year they're at USC, the next year they're at Stanford. and that's that's the way they, they they've worked and they they like that California presence. And I think what a, what a lot of people don't realize is that independence for Notre Dame is not a financial decision. If Notre Dame joined the ACC, all in, I'm convinced that it would make more money than it does now, just with its NBC football deal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I—I I mean, I'm sure they have to know that on some level. Oh, sure they do, but they also know that culturally, I think independence mm-hmm. matters to them quite a bit. But yeah, that is. I guess that is the biggest way of, of getting more revenue. So maybe, maybe if Jim Phillips just pushes for a playoff expansion and helps bring that about, then that, that, in a roundabout way, that's what he will do is, is bring Notre Dame in uh, without directly, you know, because you're not going to get them in, you know, and you have to make sure that they're not in too much of a position of power because then you end up having kind of a Big 12 Texas situation. Yes. And I don't think the ACC membership would be keen on any of that.
0: No, ag- agreed wholeheartedly. The, the ACC has long been a a revenue sharing, equal proceeds conference, and the Longhorn Network in Texas has driven so much dysfunction in in mm-hmm. the Big Twelve. It's just yeah, it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, and that's you know I mean the the Big Twelve and uh, you know the Pac twelve just find themselves in a really Precarious position too. So at least the I guess the ACC could say at least we're not them. They're in between, I guess, right now. Which is there are worse places to be, I suppose.
0: Oh, absolutely, and yes, and I always try to 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 make sure to to mention this whenever I write about the ACC's revenue lagging behind all the other Power Fives when it comes to average distribution, is that the ACC still excels on, on on all levels you know he, he, yes hey zero and six in 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 the bowls this past season historically bad not a good NCAA basketball tournament no th- 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 this past March <laughs> Can, can't can't deny or you know put put, put um, band-aids on any of those warts but you look at any time frame, last 10 years, last 15 years, the ACC with its Olympic sports, with its revenue sports, you know, when's the last time the Big Ten won a national championship in basketball?
1: Oh, I know. It's 2000.
0: Yes. <laughs> Hello. Right? Is yeah, it? Yeah, I
1: was going to say, because I was going to point that out, the Big Ten, like, yes, the ACC did not have a good NCAA tournament, but the Big Ten, in some ways, I feel like when you have as you know as much success as they did during the regular season, and it's not entirely fair because we understand what a crapshoot the NCAA tournament can be. Yeah, but when you have that many teams get in, and you have that many high seeds, and you perform the way that they did, it's just not a good look.
0: Nope. Not, and, not in the least. And, you know, the, the ACC has been there and, 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 had that happen. And, and last year was, was so crazy. It was so difficult to, oh, yeah. to evaluate teams, the lack of non-conference games and, you
1: know, it's, <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it's,
0: it's a miracle they got through it.
1: It, it really is. And it's, and, and, and that it felt right at the end, you know, it was like, I, I was I was convinced that whoever won the national title, it would end up feeling wrong, and it would feel like, oh, this isn't, you know, this didn't play out the way it should have, and COVID would end up impacting it, and really, it ended up being fine. So
0: yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> two best teams, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, and I was yeah, it, it, the game wasn't good, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. The you know, the Gonzaga game, the the game before was good enough that I Oh mean, my gosh. Yeah, that was one of the best games I've ever seen. But yeah, I mean it is it was a weird year so you kind of throw it away, but um I guess and maybe I guess that helps with some of the athletic departments impacted by COVID, you know, to get a little bit more of a financial windfall too. Um that 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 helps offset some of that, I'm assuming.
0: Oh yeah. And it, the the schools are you know they're going to their campus, you know administrations, and depending on various state laws with finance and auxiliary units and and all that. You know some of the campuses are able to help their athletic departments navigate some of this, and you know a lot of a lot of folks. You know the higher higher earners, the revenue coaches, the ads, they've taken pay cuts you know, eventually they'll get their heads above water, but, you know, it's, it it's still going to be a while.
1: <laughs> I was going to say not, I'm not getting political, but, you know, you could argue that, uh, college athletics at least did a better job of, uh, making their, uh, s- s- you know, CEOs, so to speak, take a pay cut than actual CEOs, but oh uh, yes. uh,
0: <laughs> during the pandemic.
1: <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a whole other uh, podcast that I'm not doing. Uh so yeah, uh, it, I guess um, you know, you you touched on a little bit with name, image, and likeness. That's oh that's been an interesting thing to cover around here because certainly everybody understands the reality of it. Um we we kind of know where all the ADs stand, especially as Nina King. Um, you know get set to take the reins at Duke from Kevin White I, I found it fascinating at her press conference that you know she I mean she's there with her mentor the guy who kind of brought her in and Kevin White someone she respects and cares for so much and um, you know she's asked and we know that Kevin White's not a fan of name no. image and likeness uh, Bubba Cunningham as well and at UNC and then uh she's like yeah I Name, image, and likeness is good, and it's here, and mm-hmm. you know. And I, I just not that you have to agree with someone on everything, but I just thought that was interesting. As he's like sitting in the corner with Coach K, I'm like, hmm. Uh, but it is reality, and and you wonder on some level how much some of the current realities led to, you know, some of the retirements, whether it's Kevin Whites or or Roy Williams or or whoever's it is that they just felt like I'm not ready to navigate this world, and you know, it's probably for the best for Duke anyway that they have somebody in Nina that you know, kind of gets it and is leaning into the future, but we just don't know what that looks like. I mean, in North Carolina, not only do we not have a name image, you know, we don't have a name image and likeness law here. And not only do we not have one, but like there's not one being pushed through right now. There there is no movement towards that. And nobody knows what that
0: means. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, it's the same here in Virginia. There, there, there is no, uh, no, no law here on the books or, or pending, you know, un, unlike in, in Florida, in, in Georgia. And, you know, I, I kind of look at this, Lauren, a, a little bit like cost of attendance. You know, there was this hue and cry from coaches <laughs> when the cost of attendance, for lack of better description, stipend came in and different schools were going to be allowed To tack on varying amounts, it's all based on a federal formula to the value of a scholarship. And oh, my God, what if State U is able to award more in cost of attendance than its crosstown rival? And that's going to be such a recruiting advantage. And now it's crickets. Nobody talks about that anymore because it, it, it never manifested itself, never did and i wonder if there's going to be a little bit of that with nil simply because you know number one because of the pandemic how many businesses do we think are in a position to start lavishing money on college athletes for their their endorsement on on Twitter or IG or, or anything like that. And then I I wonder, okay, say you're a car dealer in Tuscaloosa and you have a mind of wanting to sign the, the, the next star quarterback to a big advertising deal or whatever you might imagine what's nick saban going to think about that in terms of how it might impact his locker room and might nick saban kind of look at that car dealer and say cool your jets pal Yeah, i i just don't think that this is going to be the revolution perhaps that some people anticipate, and in many cases, fear.
1: That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, and I, I think that there is some apprehension right now too, because there, like you said, there is like, some states have the law, some states don't, we don't know what the NCAA is going to do. Right. And
0: we don't and, know what Congress is going to do.
1: Or the Supreme court, you right. know? <laughs> oh God. I mean, it's just this, I mean, credit to Nina, too, because during her press conference, she did say and pointed out accurately. And you don't you don't always hear athletic directors say this. And I, I respected her for actually saying it, you know, when she said something about what she got asked something about what the NCAA will do. And she's like, well, the NCAA is us like we are the yes. NCAA. But she also pointed out, and this is also true, that while the NCAA is the schools, the schools are are a very diverse and disparate bunch that all have separate interests. Um, you know, it's not as if they're a monolith you know, that, that all feel or think one way. And so you have to try to, you know, the NCAA is all of the schools, but it also has to try to represent the interests of all of the schools. And that is often the challenge.
0: (laughs) Right. And Hey, we all love to bang on on the NCAA and so often it is so richly deserved, but, but in this case, to really criticize the NCAA for, for being, cautious or, or plotting on NIL, part of me doesn't blame them because they don't know what Congress is going to do. They right. don't know what the Supreme Court is going to do with, with, with that case. And now that's not as strictly an NIL case, the, the one that's coming up here next month. But it's right, that's still more about
1: their powers, I guess. Of yeah, but it, but it's
0: still yeah. about ca- capping compensation and, and the mm-hmm. value of a scholarship. So it, it may have some nil ramifications. It, so I, I kind of get it. They they want to see where the feds go before they weigh in. And you, you've mentioned N- Nina King a couple of times. How great is it to have an AD with a law degree? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it, it, it's almost a prerequisite these days. I mean, I'd be thrilled right now to have someone sitting in that chair with a law background.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Just because she uh, she was so charming and charismatic, and and you know, I I I just got sucked in completely, and I was I could easily see why, um, you know, she was picked because she is. Impressive, and I do. I do remember her sticking out to me even before that. Um, when um, the women's basketball committee had their uh, rather interesting press conference about the lack of a weight room, um, I live streamed that for our sports website, wrlsportsfan.com dot com. And Nina to me came off by far the best of anyone in that. Uh, press oh, conference. did she? <laughs> yes, because every. I mean, ah, oh, just it was. Uh, I I forgot the other person's name that was on it the the woman I know she cares about women's basketball and I get that Um, but just some of the justifications being used were just and and Nina spoke a little bit like a lawyer at times and you know but that's okay like you have Mm -hmm. to you have to do that while also not saying things that are just patently ridiculous that you know it, you know just some of the things that were being said by uh I, I wish I could remember the other woman's name I just cannot right now um it, it, and by uh I think it was Dan Gavitt were just like patently ridiculous like you just had to not they had to assume no one was paying attention if we believed them and Nina you know couched her words carefully and was just like we're going to address the problem and fix it and you know she was more careful, you know, she didn't say anything that could easily be proven false. If you just (laughs) (laughs) look at the tweets and videos and stuff. And it was just like, come on guys. Like, you know, like uh, what was it? Oh, the, the one woman was saying that they, they try to push this hashtag for the women's final four was, I forget what it was. It was like for it all or something. And when I searched that hashtag on Google, the first result that came up was not even the women's basketball tournament. And I'm like, Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on, y'all. Like, because they they were like, why can't we get it under one umbrella? And I get why there's TV contracts. We understand that part. You know, they're separate TV contracts. That's the reason. But don't tell us, like, you're trying to push it with this other hashtag when you can't even get that hashtag trending enough that it's the first result on, you know, like, come on. Right. Uh, And I had never seen it used. I've never seen anyone use it. So I was like, I've never even heard of this. You know, it's it's silly. Like, just say we need to do better. Like, that's the thing with the NCAA is they're just so the people that represent it sometimes are so incapable of just saying we need to do a better job. It's infuriating.
0: (laughs) And then they go and give Mark Emmert an extension.
1: Well, I've compared Mark Emmert to Roger Goodell. I think that's the apt comparison there, because Mark Emmert is the guy that gets to take all of the uh, abuse for the bad decisions. Um, And that's why he gets the extension to me, right? Is the schools like the fact that, okay, he can be our public face and take the hits and whatever. And we don't mind that he gets to be that guy. And we don't have to deal with the fallout of any of this. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I know that's why, I think that's why Roger Goodell is still, you know, still has his job. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why, I think that is at least some of the appeal for Mark Emmert from the schools, but I could be wrong about that.
0: Is Lynn Holzman the one you were thinking of? Yes.
1: Thank you. I'm so sorry. Yes. Lynn Holzman. And she seemed very earnest and genuine. I could tell she does care about women's basketball, but just that, that thing in particular, where she tried to act like the hashtags were, were very much being pushed. I'm like, ah, by whom, (laughs) you know, she's,
0: she's, she's essentially the Dan Gavitt of women's basketball for the NCAA staff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and she was emotional on the call, you know, she cried and I I understand that she cares, but for her to to show that emotion and then to also say something like that, it's like, well, you're clearly not, you know, you're still trying to sell us a bill of goods here, you know, like if you're going to tell us that. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I wanted to ask too, I don't tend to be an alarmist when it comes to some of these things like the transfer portal and all of these other things. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it's the death of college basketball. Like you said, they've, they've, they've thought a lot of things would be the death of college sports or of college basketball or football, whatever it is. And it's been fine. But I am concerned with between name, image, and likeness, some other professional leagues cropping up. Yes. The transfer portal, um, And the NCAA may be not acting quickly enough to address name, image, and likeness for, like you said, for some good reasons and maybe not as good ones. But I'm concerned for college basketball more than college football in terms of what it means for the future of that sport. I don't, am I, am I being too alarmist here?
0: Well, I, I don't think so, Lauren, for, for a couple of reasons. Number, number one is just simple math, be, be, because college basketball or any basketball roster is so much smaller than than football, you you just notice the, the 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 transfers. I mean, some some teams are turning over half, three quarters of of their rosters, and that that is such a a, a jarring change for. For coaches and and fans, I mean, it's one thing to to lose your starting five to graduation or the NBA draft or e- even academic ineligibility. I mean, we're all a, a, a accustomed to that, but to have you know everyone jumping into the portal is it is it's it is strange. But I, I do think, like everything else, that eventually. And it it will take some time and patience here, and we all know that patience is not our strong suit as <laughs> as a society, and it certainly is not mine. I I assure you. But number one, I think because the portal's fairly new, and because the 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 one time waiver is is now on the books, it's only natural that almost everyone wants to. Explore, see what this brave new world is about. Number two, and and this was a a point I first heard, our good friend Brendan Marks from the Athletic make, when it came to the volume of transfers, is that during this COVID season, athletes didn't have the normal campus experience, which sometimes not all the time but sometimes happiness on campus can mitigate maybe some unhappiness with your team or your coach or your playing time or style of play any of those things so picture yourself you're an athlete you're a little disenchanted and oh by the way you're you're in a bubble you're isolated You've got no one to bounce things off of and it just builds and builds and builds until you say, you know, the heck with it. I'm going to jump in the portal. And the other thing I think that will eventually mitigate this is that a lot of people are going to learn that there is no soft landing spot. Some will land very well, but others will not. And once that realization dawns on the the general population i think you will see the transfer rate ease some
1: yeah i think that that's a good point i just i think college basketball more so than almost more so than college football like much more so weirdly is one of those sports where i think fans rely on an attachment to not just an attachment to the players necessarily, but an attachment to sort of watching a player. I, I compared it to like a TV show. You want to see a character complete like their narrative arc, you know? Yes. Yep. <laughs> and and it, and and I and I understand completely why fans have a fr- and I sympathize with it uh, of why fans have a frustration. I've talked a lot about Walker Kessler at Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that I saw, you know, towards the end of the year get so much better, and and he reminded me of like a Tyler Zeller in that you know he was. His was quarantine for COVID issues, but, you know, Tyler Zeller was hurt and had big guys in front of him. So did Walker Kessler have big guys in front of him. And by the end of the year, you really started to see flashes of what they would become. And and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be the big, you know, he's going to be the guy next year, you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody kind of knew that he had to know that. And it still wasn't enough. And it's just like you want it to make sense, right? Like if it were a plot twist in a TV show, you'd go, that doesn't make sense. Why would he transfer? He's going (laughs) to, you know, and, but it doesn't always make sense. And like you said, I think the COVID year impacts that too. uh, Him not having a traditional college experience, you know, you don't form an attachment to a school in the same Mm -hmm. way that you would You don't make friends outside of basketball because you can't. Yeah.
0: And, and, and I think you, you, your point contrasting basketball to to the other sports is, is spot on because we see them. They're not wearing helmets. They're they're, they're not at a distance, especially if you're at the game in the arena. I mean, you you do, you do develop this affinity for them and you do want to see them develop over time and and just to see the constant roster churn. I I counted yesterday and the number may have changed by now, (laughs) but 60. Players have are in the portal from ACC men's basketball rosters
1: that are, are from, still are still in the portal. Th- no, oh, some, that went into it.
0: Okay, yeah, that went into it. Most have already announced or revealed th- th- their destinations, but sixty players. I mean, that's pretty easy math. There are fifteen schools. That's that's four on average per school.
1: Yeah, you add graduation and NBA and. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's what that's where you get. I think Josh Pastner had said 42 percent currently and they think it could get up to 50. Um, And it's yeah. And I think part of it, I remember there was a lot of alarmism with one and done. Mm -hmm. Right. But to me, I didn't at the time. I thought that was silly. And I still think it's silly because was college basketball better for having a Kevin Durant for a year for a Zion Williamson, a Kobe White? That year was so fun here in the triangle, you know, to have those guys here for a year, they were so fun to watch and college basketball is absolutely better for having those guys for one year. And and so some of my concern also stems from the fact that you see these other leagues cropping up and you wonder if players like that will decide to go elsewhere too.
0: I think it, a, a lot depends with some of those other leagues, Lauren, with exposure and, yeah. and, and media and can they generate that kind of attention? Because I, I still think, and, and maybe I'm living in, in fantasy land because I so love the tournament and March. I, I still have to believe that the lure of of playing on that stage is pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, I think I don't think that we'll see the tournament drop off in popularity. That would take a lot. Um, that's still, I think a national event, but I wonder how much the regular season we've, we've already seen drop-offs and interest in that. And mm-hmm. I just wonder how much that will continue. Um, especially as, you know, I, I think wh- who was it, Alabama and Gonzaga, I want to say, right. They scheduled a, a non-conference neutral, uh, home and home, so to speak, but not quite home and home still counts as neutral. But it's like enough that they'll get a bump in. Um, oh my god! Why can't I think of that metric right now? I don't know why because it's a. Com- it's like something I was obsessed with the whole year. What is the NCAA's metric? Why can't I think of what it's called now? Um, oh, the net. Thank you, please. Yeah. The the NCAA
0: <laughs> evaluation tool.
1: Right, and it's it's a it's a boon. So that way, they for the home and home part. So when you're on the home year, you don't have to take a ding for getting a quad two game instead of a quad one. You know, Mm -hmm. and and it makes sense, and that's what the system has kind of led us to. But it also, I think, you know, I mean, that that part's sad too. I mean, there's something very cool about having home and homes, especially you know, in venues that are that have you know historical significance, and and we just don't get that anymore either because there's no incentive to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. No, you're 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 right, and. And I really think, you know, not only the lure of the tournament for fans, but the lure of the tournament for players. And I've, I still believe that young men and women growing yeah. up playing basketball, they want to play in the final four.
1: Oh yeah. No, the, it, 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 that part I think will stay and that I think will help college basketball in a sense, because you still are going to get exposure there that you don't get elsewhere. But if a league gets, if a league gets creative enough and and makes Mm -hmm. it so that it's compelling basketball, it's not going to take a whole lot, especially if, you know, the, especially if the best players aren't coming to college basketball and you still have all this turnover, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. And I just worry, I worry for it because uh, I grew up loving college basketball and I have an affinity for it. I know you do as well. And I, I worry. Let's just say I worry significantly more for it than I do for college football, which I think will be just fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think you, that worry, Lauren, is is natural because, again, the the focus of administrators, rightfully so, because of the money, is on football, and you just worry that basketball is getting lost in 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 the mix there and if if you don't tend to it if if you don't value it then you're asking for problems because there are alternatives cropping up
1: out there and i remember thinking you know when coach k and others were talking even before the season started or around the start that maybe we shouldn't start right now cuz covid was worsening at the time college basketball was starting and it got you know, significantly worse right right when it did start. I wonder how much, you know, the it it bothered me and worried me for college basketball that you you did hear that like, okay, well, there is maybe some interest in pushing up the start of the season and having a May Madness, but the TV partners aren't willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, how powerful is college basketball then if they can't go to the TV partners and say, we're going to do May Madness, take it or leave it. And the TV partners are like, well, then we'll leave it. You know, (laughs) that's... oof,
0: <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> no, and, and, and it's interesting. You, you, you mentioned TV partners and, and, and March Madness, and, and would they have told him, you know, we'll leave it. But back kind of our, to our original topic in, in, in ACC finances, that, that television bump that the ACC had was essential because the ACC's revenue from the NCAA in 2019 20, because of the cancellation of the tournament, fell 62.5%.
1: Mm. Wow. Oof. That's ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's a big number. That's one that, like, even the, ma- the non math people among us would go, oh.
0: Yeah. From 59.8 million to 22.5.
1: Phew. yikes oh yeah and so like yeah they and you would think if if it is such a tv event and we know it is uh, you know that if they had even floated the idea to television that hey we may need to push this up and television was like well we're not gonna we're not gonna play ball with that that okay you know maybe maybe it is still an elite television product don't get me wrong but if if they were willing to go as far and I don't know what went on behind the scenes, it could be that TV was like, we really don't want to do that. And that, you know, the NCAA was like, fine, we won't do that. You know, we don't know how hard it was pushed, but I think we could all agree that, especially with the way the college basketball season began and it was just a mess for a while that, it you know, it might have behooved them to wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, VCU would have signed up for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, Duke would have,
0: too. I've, I've felt so badly for, for VCU, the, you know, the the one, the one team that just had it bite them there in Indianapolis. It was, you know, that one, obviously it close to home, uh, with, with, with our Richmond readership. And, uh, and I've known Mike Rhodes for a long, long time. And he was an assistant to, Shaka when they went to the final four and he was a really good head coach at Randolph-Macon and just a good dude. And they hadn't had a a COVID issue all season long. And then bam.
1: That's awful too. Yeah. No COVID all season. And then that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's man. Yeah. I mean, so I guess I'm right to be a little alarmist, but maybe it's not all doom and gloom for uh, for college basketball. Maybe no, I, <laughs> I, I
0: I I think they'll figure it out. There there, there are smart people in, in involved, and uh, again, you know, you 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 talked about how you were just encouraged watching Nina King the the other day, and. And I get the same feeling listening to, to to Jim Phillips. You know, it's there's a leadership transition in in, in college athletics, and definitely, you know, and, and we've seen it at, at the power five level with with the recent commissioner hires, and so there's, you know, there there are new voices and new ideas, and I think that's healthy.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. and it's necessary I hope it's not too late and it's probably not but I guess I guess that we'll see and you know I I I know Roy uh said he did not retire because of this Mm -hmm. uh but I do you know this is just me you hear things sometimes and that's all that's all I'll put it but I think especially older older coaches just feel as if and you can understand why if you're an older established coach and you've done it one way a long time and it's always worked for you i can understand why you might feel uh that this this you don't want to have to convince your players to stay every year um or at least not all of them <laughs> you know you 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 don't want to have to do that at least the ones that aren't going pro you do not want to have to convince them to stay i think there is an element among coaches where especially like i said especially the established ones where they feel as if I, I shouldn't have to do this. I am, you know, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Tom Izzo. Uh, why is that not enough for some
0: of you? <laughs> Man, I recruited uh, you once. Let's not have to do it again.
1: Right. I'm sure. And, you know, it's, it probably feels exhausting to them. Um, and I get it. It is. It's a big change. And so um, I'll put it this way. I, it won't surprise me if we see more retirements in the somewhat near future, um, oh, if things no. if if things don't change a little bit um, in the next couple of years, you know, um, it won't surprise me um, no. across the college basketball landscape.
0: Let's yeah. can can that. can't you see Coach mm-hmm. Beheim going out with his two sons?
1: Oh well, to be fair, Beheim's the one I feel will be the last to leave. <laughs> <laughs> the last one, just to. Just to, just to spite everyone in a way, you know, <laughs> Syracuse fans are, some of them are ready for the transition to begin. And Jim's like, I'm not going anywhere. No. Uh, yeah, but you're right. I mean, once his sons leave, maybe you could see it. Um, but I it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed even after really wouldn't, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's the last one. I do. I uh, have, See, um, I think
0: Leonard is the last one.
1: Well, Leonard is, you know, ageless. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and Leonard, Leonard is more, Leonard is more modern, I think, um, than some of the older coaches. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but it does feel that way. Doesn't it?
0: I, Leonard just strikes me as somebody who doesn't allow things to, to shake him. He just seems so calm mm-hmm. and just, For lack of better description, and I'm not trying to be more hip than I, he just seems (laughs) chill to me. I don't think much riles Coach Hamilton up.
1: No, and I don't think he minds the current landscape and is willing to adapt to it. I haven't seen a lot of pushback from him. No. On some of what's happening. And I think, I mean, if I were a college basketball recruit, I'd probably want to play for him above anybody that I can think of <laughs> in the current ACC. Like I would totally play for Leonard Hamilton in a heartbeat.
0: Mm-hmm. No, he's I mean, he's he's terrific, and we we love him, of course. But, oh yes, uh, he's 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 great with us, and always has been, and just a a a, a charming gentleman.
1: Absolutely, as are you, David. Ah. <laughs> Although Leonard has quite a few years on, on you and all of us, although you I wouldn't should know look
0: it. half as good as <laughs> he goodness. does. And, and I'm like a decade, his junior,
1: maybe it's cause things don't get to him. You know, he just, yeah. it, it, that, that that's what ages coaches is, is, is when they get upset about things as humans do, but Leonard's just not a normal, uh, a normal human like the rest of us. He just. <laughs> Let's it roll off him. Uh, all right, David, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, you should already know. But in case people don't.
0: Sure. Just come to Richmond.com slash sports. Uh, the Twitter handle is by David Teal. Real easy.
1: All right. Uh, until hopefully next week, everyone, in case uh, hopefully my voice recovers. Uh, yes. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you all.